Charm Diamond Centers. Okay, not bad, but remember, those three little words carry a lot of weight. Has to say 50 years of a family-owned business. Charm Diamond Centers. Dylan, think lifetime diamond guarantee, unbeatable pricing policy, stores across the country filled with experts who love love. Charm Diamond Centers. 0% interest financing, trade-up policy, easy payments. I need to feel that in your voice. It has to sound like Charm Diamond Centers. Wow, that was really good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 98. It is game day. It is game day. Because this is Friday morning. It is definitely not Thursday afternoon. It is Friday morning. We probably could have just, you know, been like everyone got their coffee and pretended like we're actually recording this Friday morning. But no, we need to give the people what they need on Friday. Usually we record at one. So it didn't make a lot of sense to what record a podcast at one. So it can be released at three an hour and a half later. It'd be like completely irrelevant. Yeah. So here we are Thursday afternoon. We got plenty to talk about. We're going to recap game three. We're going to look ahead at game four and hopefully game five. But first, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant out in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. You can follow them and all their goings on on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. As if you don't want to see Corio's pregame rant. As if you don't, Dan. You love Corio. I'm a huge Corio guy since we met him on the podcast. All those many moons ago. That seems like forever ago, doesn't it? It does. Again, Sherwood Ford, they are here for you in terms of vehicles, service, whatever you need. Head on out to Sherwood Park, Alberta. They're there to help you. Again, Sherwood Ford on Twitter, at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant on Instagram. Gentlemen, that was a tough one last night. I'm not going to lie to you. Game three did not go the way I anticipated it would go. However... I still think there are some positives to take away from that game. We'll get to those. But first, I want to start with what went wrong. To me, the Oilers were sloppy from the start. They got a power play in the opening minutes. They didn't even register a shot on goal. They were trying to force a lot of passes that weren't there. Rather than making some simple plays and throwing some pucks on net, Corey Crawford hasn't been lights out this series by any stretch, so it probably would have been nice to just throw some pucks on him. It didn't happen. That was followed by a, you know, deserved or undeserved depending how you look at it parade to the penalty box 
combined, those two things really kind of disrupted the flow of the game, put the Oilers behind, and they were never able to get back on the rails. Rick, I want to start with you. What do you think about the Oilers game? Like, where did they go wrong? What do they need to do to adjust going into tomorrow or today's game for? Uh, well, at the end of the day, it was they couldn't close it out at the end, right? Like, everything before that, it was definitely not a clean game. Lots of lots of issues. But there was a point there where we were up by a goal in the third period. And, you know, all those other issues could have been, wa- could have been washed away for the night. But uh, we we collapsed, I guess. I, I You know, I just... The ugliness ca- continued into that into the last half of the game and then last half of the third period, and we just couldn't we couldn't finish it off. And I don't I don't like it's it's a disappointment level from all around every member out there. Pretty much, you know, there's, I'm not looking at one position or one area any more than the other. Uh, the whole team just you said it earlier they they needed to play simpler, and I think when they do that, they're a much better team. When they do this, it's it's a lot more hit and miss, and well, last night just turned out to be a mess at the end. Dan, what do you think? Where did, uh, like Rick said, they did have a 3-2 lead going into the third period. Um, they were in good shape, but the sloppiness from the first 40 minutes kind of continued on into the third. What did you see? Well, you know what? First thing I got to say is Kevin Biesa can shut up. This stupid nonsense that he keeps creating about right-handed face-off wins is just it's, it's hard for me to listen to. Two losses in a row now, that's what they've been talking about at the end of the game. For me, Rick, you hit it right on the head. The team, and, and Bag Milk as well, the team came out flat to start the game. Um, you know, in the, in the previous two games, uh, they, were, they were able to get a goal real early, and that, and that sets you up for success. Uh, didn't happen this time. It was the, the book was written there. We had a power play, and again, we didn't, we didn't get a shot on net. Uh, then the second, you we're lucky to get out of the first period tied. We didn't because of a last minute goal. Second period starts. And again, another parade to the penalty box didn't, didn't hurt us in the, in the second game. Didn't really hurt us in this game in the sense that the scoreboard didn't change, uh, in the second period, but you can't keep expecting a team to get into a flow and be on their energized, you know, top level if they're having to kill off five and six penalties in a period. So I don't know. They're just, they shoot themselves in the foot. And then on top of it, you know, the second game comes, they come out and they're firing from everywhere. The shots are getting on the net. Corey Crawford, you know, not, not the greatest goaltender. He has been in the past, but he's, he's not shown that recently. Uh, they find a recipe for success. And in this game, they just throw that out the door. All of a sudden, you know, it's, we're going to sit back on our, on our last minute goal in the second period that we're lucky to get away with. And, uh, and, and, you know, let the Blackhawks come to us for 20 minutes. And it was just, you know, there was little glimmers of, of pressure exerted into the Blackhawks zone. But overall, just, just not an effort there that's enough to win the game. You talked about flow. I think that the penalties really, really disrupted it. There was a period of, what, five, six minutes when the Oilers took four penalties. And it's just, it's tough when you need guys to get into the game, but they don't kill penalties, so they're not getting on the ice. I'm thinking of a guy like Aston who doesn't kill penalties. Zach Cassian was only played six minutes and change yesterday. They need to have everybody rolling, but that wasn't possible, was it, Todd? No, it wasn't, and and it's it's twofold, right? So you have the guys like McDavid, Athanasiu, who you need to get them in a rhythm. You can't win games with Connor McDavid sitting on the bench for twelve minutes of the period and or twelve minutes plus because they were shorthanded for basically twelve minutes. Athanasiu, 
you know, he needs to be on the ice more. And when you take penalties like that, you kill your momentum. But also the guys like Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins, your skill players who are relied on to kill penalties, well, they're exhausted now. They have to go out there every, you know, 30, 40 seconds because they're rotating basically two sets of penalty killers. And they got to be exhausting themselves trying to kill these penalties off. And they're not focused on trying to score goals, which is ultimately what you need Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle to be doing. So the penalties are frustrating, deserved or not. I mean, okay, if there's a couple bad calls and you get shorthanded three times in a period, then yeah, that sucks and you get mad at the rest, but you get past it. But you can't be getting screwed by the refs for three of them and then fucking yourself over on three of them as well. That Archibald penalty was terrible. The Yamamoto penalty was terrible. You can't be taking those in the playoffs. So that was the most frustrating part to me, but also it's a massive playoff game. It's an Oilers team who's coming out. You know, they're trying to play for Colby. They're in their home rink. There should be no excuses to not be fired up and and ready to go 100% the second that puck drops. And the first 12 minutes of that period, they were flat. It was like an exhibition game. So just the effort level isn't there early. They crank it up for 30 seconds at a time, but they never crank it up for four or five minutes at a time and start to take over the game. So I've said it now countless times. I gave them a D grade in game one a B grade in game two, a C grade in game three. If they bring their A game in games four and five, Chicago won't win. No matter what Chicago does, no matter what Corey Crawford does, Chicago will not win. If Edmonton finds a way to play their A game or even their B plus game, I can't see a scenario where the Blackhawks win this series. Will they bring it? That's the ultimate question. It's not a matter of if the Oilers can do it. It's will they have the effort level necessary? Well, and I think that's part of the frustration for this series specifically as well is game one was a disaster. They were flat. They didn't look good. They weren't getting the saves. They weren't playing defense. They weren't connecting on passes. The list went on and on. Game two, that was what we wanted to watch. We wanted to watch Connor go supernova. We wanted to watch power play goals. We wanted to watch a high-scoring affair with our boys coming out on the right side. And then they got flat again yesterday. And that was disheartening. Um if we're looking at tomorrow, or today, I should say, again, this is Friday morning at 8-whatever-you're-listening-to-this-podcast. Delicious coffee. Nation mm-hmm. coffee. Please enjoy a Nation coffee. In fact, make a whole pot. Make a day of it. Um, if we're looking at tonight's Game 4, obviously the Oilers are going to need some more energy. They're going to need some more push, some more fire, some more competitiveness. I think we'll get it. I think a guy like Connor is going to be pissed off. I think Leon's going to be pissed off. They're going to want to win. But I'm looking around the, the rest of the lineup. Who do you guys think kind of needs to crank it up a little bit going into what is the first elimination game of the playoffs? Rick, is there somebody on the lineup that you're looking at? You'd be like, all right, we need more from you. Crank it up. This is a huge game. We need you. Uh, I don't, yeah, you know, there's, there's one guy out there that obviously did it in 17 and, you know, sparked the game. And that was and that was cast, and he doesn't have to do it by scoring goals or putting up points. Just that energy level, what uh, what he showed in seventeen, obviously right there, that can that can get the whole team going. But I, it's just that secondary part of this team again. I mean, it's it's back to the point where they just can't keep up and they can't carry their weight. Um, we went up through this at the beginning of the year or whatever when we went through all those wingers who couldn't score a goal. And then obviously, you know, somewhere in, in December or in January, we started to get uh, a little more complete production levels from, from all four lines. And we need to get back there. We need to get back there, uh, like, right away. Otherwise, you know, it won't, we'll be waiting for December. 
Dan, is there a, is there a guy that you're kind of looking at? Maybe someone that could crank it up a little bit. I kind of agree. I agree with Rick. I would love to see 2017 playoff Cassie and make an impact here. And I'm not even saying, I mean, obviously you want him to score goals, but like throw a big hit, um, engage somebody. Kirby Doc hits Tyler Ennis, who we're going to talk about. Go out and shake him like his, like, Put some fear in his eye, in his heart. Do you know what I mean? Something like that. I'd love to see that from a guy like Cassie. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think it's. I think Rick just kind of touched on it there. It's and and you did too, Bag Milk. It's it's the James Neal. It's the Alex Chason. It's the Josh Archibald. It's the Riley Shahan. It's whoever whoever in the bottom six wants to wants to come up and and make this a big thing. Like I think Archibald you know, time and time again in the season has shown us that he's got that little bit of a spark. He's a, he's the budget Zach Cassian, you know, he can come out and smash some guys and get this team fired up. Uh, Athanasiu, you know, has had some good minutes playing with his, with his line mates, but him, Neil and Chase on anytime they're up with the big boys, they, they, it looks like they're handling a grenade. It looks like they're Milan Lucic out there. And so they have to, you know, you have to be able to elevate your game to play with those top guys because, you know, Tyler Ennis's leg is broken, and and so you have to be able to next man up. You know, you put Athanasiu up on that top line, and he he has to fit in there. It, there was a lot of times when he did slide up that I felt like he was a one man team. Uh, he was trying to do everything on his own and not and not using those guys, and then not being in the right spot for those guys to use him as well. So I think it's it's the bottom six, and it's and it's whoever is coming up to help out. You know, according to Tippett, it's just it's a it's a team wide thing. Leon and Connor are going to be Leon and Connor. Nugent Hopkins is going to be Nugent Hopkins. Yamamoto's out there, you know, yes, he's he's riding that line because he's taking some dumb penalties, but he's also that fiery that fiery honey badger that we've uh, we've all come to love. But yeah, I think it's the bottom six that needs to figure this stuff out. I think that uh, I think you're right. And I think with a guy like Yamamoto, it's not like for lack of effort with him, but like man, I would love to see him score a goal get a little bit of confidence, and then get that under his belt. I think that would go a long way. Tyler, if you're looking at the roster, who needs to step up for you? Uh, I'm going to agree with Rick and say Cassian. Like, in 2017, man, he just created so much energy for this team with big hits. He would score the odd big goal as well, like he did against San Jose. And it just feels like Zach Cassian's been in a fog this entire series. He's out there, he's on the ice, but he's just kind of floating around not doing much. And when he has laid a hit a few times, it feels like, I don't know how to describe it, but it feels almost like forced, right? Whereas before, when we see Cassian at his best, he's just flying around. He's making the hits look effortless. He's everywhere. You know, the opposing team's defensemen blink on the forecheck, and he's right there on him, riding him into the end boards. So I, I, I want to see more from Zach Cassian, and maybe he needs to get a bit of a spark himself. Maybe he needs to get his own adrenaline going a little bit. So what I'd say is, man, if you're Zach Cassian, go out there, first period, find someone, look at him, say, I'm fighting you, drop your gloves, and beat the hell out of him. Like, I, I think it's as simple as that, and that could help the Oilers get a little bit of energy. I think, you know, if there's some hate in this series, it could really, and not to say that there hasn't been, because there's been some scrums and all that, but if there's some legitimate dislike here, I think that could bring out the best in the Oilers. If they play pissed off, if they play like they want to make an impact, and I'm talking all 12 forwards, not just the fourth line, not just Cassian, not just McDavid and Dreisaitl. They need everyone to go out there and play like there's a chip on their shoulder, like they want to make an impact. Because we haven't seen that from all 12 forwards yet, at least at the same time throughout this series. So 
I, I think Cassian is a guy who could really be a spark for this team, and I'm looking for him to do that in Game 4. They need someone to be that energy source that's not just McDavid scoring jaw-dropping goals all the time. Dan is the engine behind HockeyFights.com. We've seen more kind of fights and scraps in this play-in round than we kind of anybody probably expected. Do you think that of the fights that have kind of happened around the league that there is something that's what Tyler's saying? Maybe the Oilers need a scrap to get themselves going? Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like every not every fight has been uh, a, a six a six out of ten on hockeyfights.com this year. Uh, I would argue that most of them have been like threes and twos. Uh, but what it does is it just shows that you're it shows that you're engaged. It shows that you're popping against a guy that you know, like uh, yesterday. Um, oh man, the name is going to escape me. JG Pajot, or I guess it was two days ago. JG Pajot's picking on Brian Boyle, a guy that's like three you know three feet taller than him and outweighs him by a solid another one of jg pajos uh but he's picking on him and he's shoving him around and he's engaging with him you're showing that you're you know you're you're here to play and you're here to go i think tyler tyler hit it well when he said you know we have to see angry cassian we have to see angry you know archibald angry shahan and it's and i don't know if that necessarily means everybody has to fight everybody but maybe, yeah, somebody goes out and just picked a, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins went out and fought Sean Monaghan in a in a battle where two guys, first ever NHL fight, and that lit a powder a powder keg that started off that whole game on the right the right angle for the Oilers. You know, a team in the Flames that had been pushing the Oilers around for the whole series, the whole year. All of a sudden, Nuge comes out and fights a guy, and the whole bench has to be like, "Holy shit, what's what's Nuge doing out there?" we got to do something for him to show him that that was worth it. Right. So it's just, it's, it's, you, you, you hope that they don't have to have a fight to, to spark everything, but it damn well can't hurt you right now. I agree. Um, a hit, a fight, a scrum, shake somebody, yell at somebody. I don't care. Whatever it is. I want to see some more engagement. Just like Dan said, I also want to see you guys, Offer a quick round of applause for our brand new sponsor, Tourism Jasper, jumping in on Oilers Nation Radio. They are a brand new sponsor here. And we are going to be doing a pretty cool contest with them. Article is up at OilersNation.com. It got posted Thursday afternoon. I mean, in theory. <laughs> so wait, is the article up? It's not up yet. I'm so confused with data now. I, I don't know what day it is. So we can't look at it now, but when this podcast is released, you'll be able to look at it, you being the listener. That's you're right. Asking, and you're asking your fellow podcasters to just trust that this contest is amazing, which I know it is. That's correct. Our friends at Tourism Jasper, they're going to be giving away a trip for two to the mountains, spend a couple of days there. They've got a bunch of other prizes that go along with the getaway. It's going to be a very good prize. We're going to keep this running for a little while on our newly reacquired at Oilers Nation Twitter account. Thank you to Tourism Jasper for jumping on. Really appreciate you. Love Jasper. It's a beautiful place. Can't wait to give this prize away. I know somebody's going to be super excited about it. Back to the game. We did mention Tyler Ennis a little bit. He was announced Thursday that he's out indefinitely. He's got a broken leg. When I mean, when we saw the hit, you just knew it was bad. You knew it was bad from the way he... Well, first of all, I don't ever want to hear a guy yeah. screaming in pain like that again. That was that was 
obviously a very clear drawback of having no fans there and having that come through on TV. Um, it didn't look good. It wasn't good. That's a big loss for the Oilers. But now the question remains, they got a game to play coming up. Who comes into the lineup? Who's your quick guess on who comes in the lineup? Uh, Rick, I'll start with you. Um, I think it's, I think the easy answer is Kayton Haas. I think he, uh, he probably fits in to everything we need more than anybody else. I don't know if you wanted somebody just pure offense, I think you'd probably go take a, a flyer and just go Benson. But I, you need somebody who's going to be a little more able to play in any, in any type of the game. So I think Gaetan Haas is the, the way you go. It's just where you put him. And then subsequently, what other lines changes? That is, that's the big question. I uh, I would agree. I tend to think Gaetano is going to come in. Uh, there's Kevin Bieksa's right hand and center. Hey-o. But uh, he can also kill some penalties. He can help be another guy that can kill some penalties there. So there's a little bit of versatility to Gaetano Haas. Maybe they play him on the wing, on his off wing. Who knows? I think that's probably how it would go. Maybe Joachim Nygaard. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, you look at the roster right now and it's like, I don't think depth is a problem, but yeah, if you're straight up replacing Ennis, which I don't think they are, Tyler Benson's your pick. Um, and then like, because I mean, the other options other than Gaetan Haas are Cooper Marodi, Ryan McLeod, Nygaard, as you mentioned, Patrick Russell. So like, it's not, none of those, none of those are necessarily replacing Ennis straight up. Uh, I think you're going to find that replacement within the lineup. And then, and then whoever comes in is playing a, a fourth line or a third line role for this team and Kevin Bieksa can stop stop chiding us for not having right-handed face-off winners when we win more face-offs than the Blackhawks do. I, I don't know. The guy's hair has possessed him. <laughs> Tyler, I'm going to ask you the same question, Well, and I'm going to add the second part to it. Who comes in and where does he go? I think if you're trying to replace Tyler Ennis, or yeah, if you're trying to directly replace Ennis, you go with Nygaard. He's a winger. You know, not a great scoring touch by any means, but he's going to get in on the forecheck and all that. But I I don't think you need to try replace Tyler Ennis. I think you just need to put the best player in the lineup. And the bottom line is Nygaard hasn't played a game since, like, February. Whereas Haas, you know, he, he was there a little bit more towards the end of the regular season. Um, he didn't get in on that exhibition game, which is unfortunate. Maybe that leads you to believe they're going to play Russell because he's the only one who's played a game since the restart. But I'd go with Haas. And what I'd do for the lines... Um, if you let me walk through my whole depth chart here, I'm reuniting Please. the Nugent Hopkins Yamamoto dry saddle uh-huh. line. They saved yes. the season in January. They can yes. save the season again. Like that's that should be yes. a no brainer for me. Uh, so I'm reuniting them with McDavid. I'm going with Cassian and James Neal. I like what Neal's been doing on the forecheck, so I go with that trio. I like the look of the third line if it's Athanasiu, Shahan, and Archibald. But what I would do here is I might honestly pull Shahan off that line and hear me out. I pull Shahan off that line. I put Shahan with Chase on and Kara, and I'd have Kara on the wing, and I'd have Haas centering Athanasiu and Archibald. Why, you ask? Because I don't think Gaetan Haas is going to play very much. I have McDavid rifling through that line as well. I'm basically double-shifting McDavid all game in a must-win playoff game, and that basically lets your depth chart look like McDavid, Neil, Cassian. Then you got the trio of Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle Yamamoto, you could basically just keep running McDavid, Athanasiu, Archibald, and your fourth line is sort of just your mop-up line that you use to eat minutes, get pucks deep, be good in the defensive zone, and it's Shahan, Kara, and Chase on. It's slow, but who cares? 
Rick, you would got you to figure say, out you, for, Yeah, for, for any reason, would you consider carrying or dressing seven defensemen then? But you're and going twelve and going eleven forwards, obviously. Yeah, but who's going to bring you more value, Gaetan Haas? Who I mean, maybe you even swap that and put Haas on that line to give it some speed with Shahan and Chase on, and Kara's sort of the odd man out. I like the versatility up front because if you dress Bouchard, like where's he really going? Yeah, they don't really fit in. I, I do agree that it just doesn't really fit in. I just thinking you know it may open the door to something. Maybe if it's worth having Larson in the lineup for for eight minutes, but you know oh, not having to. Uh, no, maybe, I and I, I don't really know, right? You know, you know. I'm just kind of, uh, just kind of think about that. Dan, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I actually, to be honest, I like Tyler's lines. I would, my, I would love to see Tippett reunite New Dramoto. That line was the hottest line in hockey. I just, I would love to see it. I don't mind uh, Neil and Cassian with Connor. It might get Cassian more engaged. And then the bottom six is kind of like a you know a little bit of a mishmash here and there. I like double shifting Connor. I could watch him all day. But Dan, what do you think? Well, I see the I see the mentality and I get it um, because you win today and then you you figure out your problems tomorrow. But I guess my fear is just that Connor is going to get burned out. But again, it's hey guys, don't forget we can also double check. We can also double shift the. Uh... Oh yeah, the Art Ross Trophy winner. Yeah. The uh, most likely the Hart winner. Like I said, it's a problem for tomorrow, and and that's the way that this series is kind of structured with the back to back games four and game five. So you win you win Friday, and then you figure out what you can do on Saturday. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think I think I think more interesting to me is is if Larson is okay to go for game four, which I don't think we have any indication as to whether he is or not. Um, I kind of hope Caleb Jones stays in the lineup. I liked his game and. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a bad guy to have in our lineup. Maybe a Chris Russell comes out of the lineup. I don't know, but that's just uh, that's just me pondering out loud. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because also if we're talking about double shifting and maybe doing uh, Tyler's idea of mixing it up a little bit, you could also throw new jet shifts at center as well if need be. So the Oilers aren't short on centermen. You can double shift Connor. You can double shift Leon. You can throw Nuge the odd shift at center if they need. Um, there's options. There's options. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think that the Adam Larson question mark is going to be another interesting one because I think that in game three, the Oilers especially missed him when it was time to really lock things down at the end of the game. And in terms of shutdown defensemen on this roster, he's he's kind of one of the guys that's a warrior for them. He'll block a shot. He'll use the body. He'll be physical. And that was a big hole for them. Well, he's and he's been off. Like I, I, I feel like I don't, I don't, I don't feel like we've seen Adam Larson of the regular season yet in this series. So I think that I think that whatever he's dealing with, I think has been has been lingering. I have to hope because, because you're right. He's, he's that guy that we can count on to put out on the, on the, uh, you know, in the oh shit defense of trying to hold on to a one goal lead and he wasn't out there. And so, you know, that, that side of the ice was just that little bit weaker. Another thing I want to talk about looking ahead at game four, who starts in net? If you follow, if you, I was talking before we started recording, I was talking to friend of the nation, friend to everybody, Reed Wilkins. And he's like, this is just purely me guessing, but I think Tippett will go to Mike Smith in game four. 
And it's going to be one of those ones where game one didn't go well. And again, I'm not hanging all five goals on Mike Smith by any chance. Maybe they go back to the veteran and see if he can't bring a little bit of a passion, a little bit of passion to the Oilers from the crease on out. What do you guys think? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I personally don't know who I'd go with. Um, You could probably convince me either way. I'd rather fence sitting on this as uh, I think like in December, I kind of gave up on trying to decide on who I thought should be in that because I was usually wrong and the coach was usually right. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of let him go with it. And but if I, the way the season's gone, I would have to think that he's going to go with with Smith. Just like if it was vice versa, he'd be going with Koskinen. And it was just kind of next man up type of a situation. And, and that's where we're at. And you, you don't really change your game plan at this point of the year just because the game is you know it could be your last. I think you stick with how you got there and uh, and just hope for the best. I would go. Can we- Oh, sorry, sorry no. Tyler, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just going to jump right in. Uh, I, <laughs> For me, like, Koskinen's probably the safe play. I think by starting Miko Koskinen, you're kind of just going, hey, he's going to give up three. Let's hope he doesn't give up the fourth, and let's hope our offense can score him four or five. Mike Smith gives you the best chance to steal a game. He also gives you the chance to potentially cost you the game. And that's kind of the way I look at the decision. Um, with that being said, Smith, I mean, Tippett has a good read on Smith, I think. I think he generally, for you know, majority of the time, knows what he's going to get out of his guy, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes right back to the goalie who's clearly been his favorite this whole time. He always gives him the benefit of the doubt, and I think he'll do it again here in Game 4. Boys, this is going to be a moment we're going to look back on in our Stanley Cup Champions DVD, and we're going to say, you know what? Tippett just knew. And it's one of those things that you put Smith out there, and he puts up a stink egg, and we lose game four, and we win Lafreniere, and we say we bid adieu to Mike Smith at the in, in the summer, and it's a new slate. He comes in and he lights, he, he tears down the house, and, and the Blackhawks can't score on him, and he's robbing him right, left, and center. All of a sudden, this team is engaged, fired up, and ready to go for game five as well. It's if you put if you put Koskinen out there, and he has you know another game where he lets in four goals. Then it, I don't know. I don't know if it sets you up properly for Game Five. I just think that there's, I think that there's something in this. Like, like we said, you know, save for December this year, Dave Tippett and the, that coaching staff has had the pulse of these two goalies going back and forth. Now he started Mike Smith to start this series didn't go well. It happens, um, but I think that the plan was always to see both of these goalies going going back and forth in the net. And uh, I don't think that that changes anytime here soon. So I think that Mike Smith going into the net is a great thing. It's going to turn out well for us. And you can play this tape back uh, next week if it doesn't. <laughs> does, he consider, about- does he consider the back-to-back at all? Yeah, well, I think that's, I think, that's, I think that's where it's in. Can you can so, – so what you're saying is the back – you're saying um, you want Koskinen to be your goalie in game five. I think that that's the play, right? Like Koskinen hasn't been hasn't – been, horrible smith has so, so are you are you playing or do you think he's gonna play smith tomorrow today because he wants koskinen on saturday or do you yes. think he's gonna play koskinen on he wants koskinen in game five in the do or die game and therefore he doesn't want him playing back to back therefore smith has to play this one 
I I think he's I think that there's part it's like fifty fifty right like there's no there's no black and white here we've said it before Dave well, Pippen trusts that, Mike think, Smith more than he trusts Michael Cosby. yeah so that's so that plays into it and then yeah the back to back thing you know how many times have the Oilers gone back to back with their goalies in the same game I think once this year and it was Koskinen had two games or Smith sorry Smith had two games back to back like I I just don't think that they do it very often. So that's just not the way that these goalies are, have worked. It's not what's worked for them this season. We've been really good in the second game of back-to-backs this year. I, I don't think you mess with it. If you subscribe to the theory that Dave Tippett enjoys or likes having Mike Smith in the net more and that's his boy, his excuses for going with Mike Smith are pretty built in. Not that he would have to explain himself, but if he goes with Mike Smith in game four and they lose and everyone's like, why didn't you start Koskin? And he'd go, I wasn't going to start both of them in back-to-backs. I had to start Smith in one of them. I decided to make it game four. There's his excuse. If he actually wants to keep Mike Smith for two, two the next two games, which I think he does, and if they go to game five, I think he'll start Smith in both of them, he'll go, why would I mess with, with what's not working? Chicago didn't change their goalie because we know they're going Crawford twice. So he's going to come out and say, I had to go with Smith twice. He's the hot hand. It's the playoffs. You start the goalie who wins. I think no matter what, we're going to see Smith in one, and if, it, and if we get two more games, we're getting Smith in both. I think no matter what, I personally think he's going to go to Mike Smith in game four. I just think that and another thing here too. Let's not forget these guys are all locked in a hotel right now. Mike Smith is lobbying like fuck to get the start in game four and probably also in game five even well, though we're not say, even out of game four yet. Do you think he gets in game five? Do you think he gets both? Yeah, he would. No. Bag I just, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Because to be honest, the, the, the reality for me is I can't even begin to think about Game 5 without killing Game 4 first. Yeah. And we're, we're hours away. And I almost wonder if that's been a problem. Do you, do you guys like how I keep changing timelines here? Yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> all over the place, and I love it. You hop in the DeLorean, you come back, you go forward, it's good. By the way, there's a DeLorean in my hood. I just saw it the other day. It's fantastic. Whoa. I love it. Um, but I just, I just, I can't see Smith only getting that one game in this series. I think that he's going to get game four and depending on what happens today, game four today, today. we'll see what happens for game five. But I almost wonder if there's been a point where the Oilers have looked ahead beyond the task at hand. And I'm not prepared to do that. The, what needs to get done is game four. What needs to be a win. As a coach, I think you have to sort of kind of consider it. Maybe not, not you know, it's not on the it's not on the front plate, but it's something that you need to just kind of glance at and just give it a, a quick thought about. Because if you are a guy who goes back and forth, you know, it's, both games are do or die. But you know, it's fifty. It's hindsight's twenty twenty. The end of it, but you kind of have to think about it a little bit. It's going to be an interesting decision to see, and you know what's going to be interesting also. No matter which goalie plays game four. Oilers Twitter is going to be mad for one way or another. Oh, it's going to, yeah. He's going to, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get ugly. No, it's never ugly, though. A delicious meal delivered right to your house from our friends at skipthedishes.ca. I, myself, ordered a delicious donair the other day. Came to me, hot, ready, some nice fries, gravy. What I do, Tyler, when I order my donairs, I throw a couple of banana peppers on there. Ooh. I like to treat myself. I like nice, nice little zing in there. I like it. Nice, nice flavor combo. Nice flavor going, combo. Yeah, the profiles are all coming together. A nice sweet sauce, a little bit of zing from the banana peppers. And that Again, cheese. Of course. 
Of course. Um, our friend that skipped the dishes.ca brought it right to me. I tipped the driver. He was very, very nice. Left it on my door, waved at me through the window. Safe, delicious, ready to go when I needed it. Thank you to skip the dishes.ca for jumping in on the podcast, as always, and keeping Edmontonians fed from thousands of local restaurants around the city. We're previewing game four here on episode 98 of Oilers Nation Radio. We've talked a lot of shit so far, things that went wrong. I want to talk about positives. I want to look at some bright sides that are going into game four. To me, the biggest one is the giant awoke in game three. Leon Dreisaitl had a huge game. Three points. He had a couple of goals. You can't keep him off the score sheet for long. He was quiet in game two, rebounded nicely in game three. Won me some money, by the way. I believed in Leon. I bet that he would get over a point and a half. He did. Made me look good. I also bet that he'd get over two and a half shots. He did. He got three in the first period. So Leon came through for me. I think he is a big bright side going into game four. I think he and McDavid are both going to be very motivated, and that could be scary for the Blackhawks. Positives, gentlemen. What are you looking at for the game? What is there to be excited about? Well, I think Tyler's already said it. Maybe I'm stealing it from him, but they haven't played their A game yet. So you, you go out, you play three games against the 12 seed Chicago Blackhawks. You, you win playing a C, B effort. You lose playing an F effort. And then, you know, last night was a D, I guess. Um, so you, you haven't played your best game yet. You, you know you're capable of playing that game. I would argue that they haven't played a, a good game since they came back from the bubble, um, You know, including that Calgary game. They didn't play very well. They won that game. But, yeah, I, I think the big positive for me is that the Oilers still have yet to play a complete game. They're capable of doing it. Whether they do it remains to be seen tonight, later tonight. That's right. Today is Friday, as we all know. Tyler? I think that that's the biggest takeaway. You know, look at all the Oilers who have given pedestrian efforts. And uh, yesterday, we, I argued with Wanye a bit about this on Real Life, but McDavid hasn't been dominant at 5-on-5. Five five. He's been good, but he hasn't... Like, he's had his moments, I should say, right? You know, there's been five-minute stretches where you go, yeah, McDavid's dialed in, but he hasn't given us that full 60 minutes of like, wow, Connor McDavid has taken over this game at 5-on-5. Five five. I, I just haven't seen that yet. Same thing with Drysaddle. He's had some good moments, had some good games, but we haven't had the, like every shift there's a scoring chance kind of thing that we've seen from both those guys. You look at Cassian, hasn't brought it. You look at Clefbaum, he hasn't brought it. You look at Darnell Nurse, he, he was good through two games, and then I thought last game he was a little bit weaker. Ethan Bear had his rough moment as well. Like There's been so many, go through the entire lineup if you want. No one's sat there and been like, wow, they are playing their best hockey right now. What are the odds that we get a fourth straight game of, man, no one's bringing us their best hockey? I think the Oilers are due for a good game. We haven't seen them go on a ton of extended losing streaks throughout the season, except for in December. I, I, I just think they're due to have a really, really good game, and that's my biggest positive. I know it sounds kind of cheap and homerish to just say, you know, kind of trust the system, trust that the Oilers are good enough to put together a strong 60 minutes of five-on-five hockey, but I honestly think that's what we kind of, I think that's what you have to do, and that has to be the biggest positive you're looking for. Rick, what do you got for positives going into game four? Yeah, you guys nailed it right there. That you know we still there, we still have a lot, a long ways to go to get to our best. And I think they've been playing near their best, uh, most of, you know at least in the in the first game. There, um, we've we got a lot more to give. 
Uh, there's definitely some players out there individually who are playing better than maybe expected going in. You know, I'll give the uh, you got to give them credit where the credits do. But uh, yeah, and you, it's just we're there's still more to give. There's still more to give, and they haven't gone on a couple games, a couple four or five game uh, streaks where they just don't look very good. So. He left us in limbo. That was. I thought that. I thought I was in limbo. I thought that was Rick's a pregnant gone. pause there. That we were just gonna be like, "Oh, this is gonna be some insightful oh, business right here." Yeah, what happened there? Yeah, we froze when you said uh, they still got some more to give. The pregnant pause. <laughs> I looked yeah, up we, and everybody is uh, all the screens went away. We were. Uh, I was expecting some real wisdom to come out here, and I just want to. I just want to also throw this out there. I very, very highly doubt the Oilers are going to be. I highly doubt that the Oilers are going to show the same lack of discipline in Game Four as we saw in Game Three. I just, I doubt it. I assume Dave Tippett ripped them for it. And yes, some of those calls. I mean, I tweeted it. The Athanasiu holding call on Patrick Kane was just garbage. It Russell. was just complete bullshit. Chris, yeah, Chris so Russell, Russell wasn't allowed one, to touch a player. Russell wasn't allowed to like pin a guy or hold him back a little bit like give me a break this is the playoffs normally you can cut a guy's leg off and you don't get called for it so I'm going to go ahead and say the Oilers are still better on special teams and don't they, I have, think, don't they have better numbers everywhere so far that I don't know Tyler you probably confirm that like, or not I can't, but, remember, I can't remember what tweet I saw it was some way it was maybe wheat and oil or something like that was breaking down like five on five percentage and then special teams percentage, and the only place they beat us was on save percentage. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd have to look it all up. Uh, so I, I've got Wheaton Oil again. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you definitely should. Uh, three games into the series, five on five, and score adjusted. Oilers have better shot attempts, 51 percent. High danger shot attempts, 61 percent. Expected goals, 57.5. And they're losing, but they are losing on save percentage, yeah, which, like, is, I mean, which is bad because Corey Crawford is eight eighty nine, which is again shoot at him from fucking Ford Hall. Oh, and just this everywhere. Is, and, this, and this is why I say, like, this is why I feel like, and I hate using the word because it's so easy to tear down, but it's just bad luck. Like we're beating them everywhere specifically, except for you know the, in, instead of save percentage, and yet we're we're down two to one. Like this is. They need to just keep keep going and knock it down on themselves. I, but I, they need to. They also need to limit the opportunities in front of the net. The Blackhawks had four posts last night, and I'm not talking about posts where it's like outside of the post. We're talking about shots that go off the post and then they slide through the crease, kind of shit. Like it's this team, this team top to bottom, every single player. It's been said again and again has not played their best game, and and they have to. But you know, just even just even to bail out the Miko Koskinen and the Mike Smiths from those second and third chances where we where you know, that game could have been out of hand if they had put in half of those goals. So it's just. Well, I think Dan, that goes a lot to, it goes to what we were talking about earlier that they weren't playing a simple game. A lot of times they were trying to sneak a pass through or force a pass through that maybe wasn't there rather than looking for a six foot outlet. It happened on the power play right at the beginning of the, where they were trying to do the cross ice thing. When it connects and it goes in, it's beautiful, and we all love to watch it on the highlight reels. But the reality is, the Oilers got beat by getting by the Blackhawks getting pucks on net last night. In the third period, 
they got two deflection goals that ended up being the Oilers' demise. They weren't pretty plays. They were ugly, simple plays. And the Oilers have an opportunity to do that themselves. And if they can stay disciplined, which I fully expect to happen, and they can continue rolling on the power play, which I have no reason to believe that they won't, then we're looking at a better opportunity for success. And what that would also do is relieve the pressure on your goaltender a little bit. Yeah, It, It would be nice not to have just that constant stress of the holy fuck they are getting dummied in their own zone for minutes at a time like keep it simple boys i think off the glass and out if you have to let's let's use our heads let's walk before we run let's get through game four i think there's plenty to be positive about this series is not over beating the blackhawks two straight games is fucking doable it's 100 doable gotta start simple tyler go ahead I was just going to say, like, in terms of, like, you know, looking at the game itself and not and kind of eliminating all the other storylines, if you had to list the keys for the Oilers' victory, yes, goaltending. Yes, everyone needs to be better at five-on-five. Five. Yes, they need energy from Cassian. But would you say that Dave Tippett, the one thing he should be writing on that whiteboard is pucks on net? Like, I think that's got to be the number yes. one key, right? Yes. Well, how, how do you go from the set, game two where you figure, you figure it out? You see the, that shooting the pucks at the net gets your goals. And then even even further, you watch the Blackhawks doing it to you. Yeah. Like that third period was a, was just an absolute shooting fest. And and they finally score on some on some guy that's we're never gonna hear about again after this playoff run. Goodwin or good I don't even remember his Highmore? name. I'm thinking of a baseball. Highmore. Yeah. Highmore. Like he, you know, I'm actually doing a baseball game right now. That's what I was thinking of. But anyways, um, it's, you know, it's a guy that you're just never going to hear about again, but he got a stick on us on a puck and it went past Miko Koskinen, who was in position for the original shot. And that's just the way it is. So you you can't, you can't like, you can't look at these games and these results and not think, Hmm, if I get some more pucks on the net, things are going to go well for me. It's just, it's so simple. And and if Tippett doesn't have that on the whiteboard, He's screaming it at them every minute of the day. Well, even looking at this point exactly, Leon Dreisaitl's second goal was a result of a wild rebound that Corey Crawford just had no idea where it was going. He was laying flat on his face, and Leon just buried it. But it comes from the point shot initially. Pucks on net, boys. Play a simple sh- game. Do we need a shoot guy in the stand? Is that we what we need? We need a shoot guy. That's what I've been you begging for. I'm going to text Ryder right now. I'm going to text Ryder right now and get DJ Tycho. I had a shoot button on that board. Yeah, sports guy to get, get some shoots going on in there. Johnny Infamous. Yeah, sorry, Johnny Infamous. Uh, <laughs> not DJ Tycho. Shout out to DJ Tycho. Both fine DJs, I'm sure. Um, it just, I, I think that shooting the puck is a major key to the game. What are your other two topics? Uh, shooting like pucks on net from everywhere. You got, we've now dissected it a lot. Like that's what works against Corey Crawford. Number two is stay disciplined. It's, you know, tail is old this time. It's one of the biggest cliches. Stay out of the box, put pucks on net and whoever the goalie is needs to recognize the situation they're in and deliver us a good, good performance. We, we don't need to help that goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think that goes hand in hand with pucks on net and staying disciplined. That'll allow, like they all sort of tie in together, right? If you get pucks on net, you're going to be in the offensive zone more. That's going to help you stay less disciplined or stay more disciplined. If you stay more disciplined, life's going to be easier on your goaltenders. And that cycle just kind of keeps on going, right? But it all starts. It's like a trickle down. If you get pucks on net and you're good at five on five and you're dominating the possession, 
then you're not going to be forced to take penalties and your goaltenders' lives are going to be much easier. Simple as that. That's the game plan. That's exactly what the Oilers are going to do when they force game five tonight. And just talking about penalties too, I know I love to complain about the way the refing has gone this series, but they got to try and push that out of their minds as well. They, they're no control of what these guys are calling. Sometimes, like last night, it's not going to be fair, but we need to move forward. They need to make well, sure that they're not taking dumb penalties either because like that Archibald penalty was dumb. Tyler said it. The Yamamoto penalty wasn't great. Tyler said it. These are mistakes that are avoidable. Well, it's just and, and it's just so stupid because you know that the game is tight, and you're going out and you're and you're you're playing on that edge instead of just you know scale it back a bit. You, okay, the refs are on us this period. You know, fucking stop hitting guys without the puck. Like it's just it seems pretty simple, but here we are, four dudes on a podcast screaming at our TVs. Listen. We've got this all figured out. And the fact that nobody asked our opinion is a shock to me. It's a joke, really. Why hasn't it is a joke. called us yet? Listen, you don't even have to call. You can DM me. You can DM me tips. Just slide into the DMs. They're open for everybody. I will give you my two cents. I will give you my two cents. All right. Well, it's a big game. The first elimination game that we've had in a while. The stress is going to be real. Oh, yeah. But you know what is also going to be real? My ulcer? Rick's ulcer? The 50-50 that is going to happen. Because on Wednesday, they capped it at $5.4 million six hours before puck drop. (laughs) Six hours before puck drop. And I can't even imagine what it would have gotten to. But like I said, Friend of the nation, Reed Wilkins. He came through with a big one. OEG's Tim Shipton says NHL or that the Oilers will be increasing capacity two and a half times for the 50-50 for game four. Two and a half times. So I'm bad at math, but (laughs) 5.4 times two and a half is probably like $35 million or something. All I know is that this pot is going to be massive. Well, see, here's the thing. So they... So the reason that they stopped the 50-50, at least according to what they told us, is that they ran out of digital numbers to give out. So you understand that to be, okay, they've added in a new auction. If you haven't bought 50-50 tickets yet this year, you now can buy 200 tickets, Hell yeah. 100 digital numbers for $50. Oh. So so I think that, that that really throws off. Imagine if they do that in the game and you can you can walk around the concourse of Rogers and have the tickets purchased <laughs> for you know, 50 or 200 numbers for you. But anyway, um, so that so that skewers the numbers there. So you got to think that they had about ten million numbers available, right? Like that's it. So that so now you're saying that they have they have twenty five million numbers available to them for us to go ahead and buy this. This fifty fifty is going to be astronomical. And shout out to us for not even like not even coming close to the yeah, top I was gonna and I was the low guy yeah. at four hundred thousand. Like you can make James Neal's yearly salary tonight. Yes, tonight, I, like which I, is Friday. I believe. Like I more, believe you can make more. Happen. You can make more. It's going to be like near twelve million dollars. You make six million dollars, and you have to do less than Milan Lucic did. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> I think I think putting your credit card on the line and risking it all for the fifty-fifty is more than what Milan did here in his last season. Putting up the same amount of points as Reader did last year. But what I want to know is, 
like how much fun is it just to talk complete nonsense about the 50 50 i love it i've basically turned the nation account into 50 50 watch dan made a great meme the other day where it was like it was the panda watch from anchorman but we're turning into 50 50 watch it's hilarious to me i love it i'll i'll set that one up to be posted at what 9 a.m this morning just so that uh just so that we can have it going right off the bat that's right of course again if you are playing the 50 50 good luck if you win it, give us some money. You're getting this podcast for free. All we ask is you give us some money. And, if, fair. and if you don't win the 50-50, you can still help, help us out by reviewing and subscribing on iTunes and Spotify. Oh, for hey. free. There you go. For free. There you go. Uh, Tyler, it is time. We've got Ooh. 10 minutes left in the podcast. It is time to look at the last week, the Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performance of the Week. I want to go ahead and give Oodle Noodle a shout out. If you dine in at any of their 14, that's right, now 14 locations, they're donating 10% of those sales to local charities and initiatives. Location 14 out in the Hamptons just opened this week. They're very excited about that. So go get yourself something to eat. Know that you're doing it for a great cause. And shout out to our friends at Oodle Noodle. Again, 10% of dine-in and curbside orders are being donated to local charities and initiatives. They have done a great thing these past few months with these donations. So we've actually had some hockey to talk about over the last week. I'm starting with the cold performance of the week, as I always do. Rick, looking at the last seven days of your life, oodle noodle cold performer. Well, I think we're going to go back to the old days, right? When this is about about hockey. We're talking hockey, buddy. All right, kid. I like that. Uh, You know what? I know it sounds like an excuse, but it is a real thing. Uh, I'm not blaming it all on this, but this is definitely part of it. And just bad luck. Bucks going, being tipped, uh, that are going in. They're not working for us. That one off Taves' his foot last night somehow just sneaks through. It's just, uh, we need, you know, we're, we keep rolling sevens here. It's time for us to get on a bit of a run and, uh, and make some money on the board. Worse. <laughs> one more time. What was that one? Worse. Worse. <laughs> Nation Dan, your Oodle Doodle Cold Performer of the Week. Well, I was going to say MLB, and I was going to say for not having instituted a mask policy, but I'll keep that to myself. Uh, my cold performer of the week, hockey-related, uh, it's, I don't know, like, I, it's, I, feel like, I feel like we're piling on, but it's Zach Cassian. He's just, he just hasn't, he hasn't been playoff Zach Cassian yet. We need that from him. We need him. We need him to be the guy that's playing on the edge. Him, the guy that's, that's dancing that line that Tyler Yamamoto has been dancing all along. Um, you need you need playoff Cassian. So right now, because we don't have playoff Cassian, he's my cold performer of the week. Tyler, you're Chuck. Your oodle noodle cold performer of the week. Ah man, you guys left this one for me, so I'm going to take it. It's the refs. I hate being this guy. I hate being the homer that gets mad at the refs. But so many of those calls are just so soft. And it goes back to game two as well, where the Oilers go on a run where they're taking penalty after, or they're getting called for penalty after penalty after penalty. And then Kyler Yamamoto's coming out of the zone. He's about to get a breakout pass. And there's a stick in his ribs tying up his hands. And the ref's right there and he doesn't call it. So I'll make mine two parts. I'll say the Oilers' discipline does need to be better. They've been terribly undisciplined 
But the refs need to figure it out, man. There's two teams out there. I want to see a better job from the refs. They get my cold performer of the week. And in case you can't tell, I'm upset. Yeah, you are. Uh, just to wrap up, cold performer of the week. To me, I'm going back to unfit to play. Uh, I want to know what's going on with Adam Larson. I don't like that the NHL is allowing every... And I know that this happens in the playoffs every year, so don't... So get out of my fucking mentions. But I don't like that they just created this term this year, unfit to play, that can literally blanket everything. <laughs> it could be... You could have a guy get chopped in half by some kind of rogue scythe that comes through sweeping from the roof that nobody <laughs> knows where it came through came from and it cut a man in half and people will be like where's this guy and the coach just says well I'm fit to play and I don't like it I want a little transparency NHL we can do better than this unfit to play cold form of the week flipping the ledger we are going to start we're going to look at some positives. We're going to end off this week's podcast looking at some positives. The hot performers from the past seven days. I'm going to start with Tyler this time around. Mr. Yaramchuk, your hot performer of the week. It's going to be James Neal. He wrote a piece in the Players' Tribune about uh, you know how what playing playoff hockey means to him, how bad he wants to win a Stanley Cup, and how he wants to prove to Oilers fans that he is a playoff performer. And honestly, I think we've seen that so far. I've been really impressed with Neil. He's been hard on the forecheck. He's been, you know, a little dirty at times, mixing thing up, things up after the whistle a little. He's been getting scoring chances, forcing turnovers, everything. So uh, for me, Neil's been one of their better performers so far through three games. So he gets my hot performer of the week. I like this right here. I, I, you know what? A couple of goals for James Neal. Got to like it. Need a big one in game four from you, buddy. Million dollar smile will go a long way after a goal. Nation Dan, your hot performer of the week. Well, honorable mention goes to Austin Matthews for calling out Steve Simmons for the COVID uh, diagnosis that Steve Simmons let go. But my and, hot performer of the week. Oh, and also, ahead. Dan, he, but he called him out and then answered his question. That's yeah, he, like he did it in like the most like most hockey player way he possibly could. It was all polite and very calm and cool. But yeah, and then he answers the question. But anyways, my hot performer of the week is actually somebody brand new to the nation. Uh, people that haven't been introduced to him yet. It's Josh Hart. And he has put together some of the best videos I've seen come from the nation. And I'm one of the people that makes videos for the nation in the past. <laughs> so um, I've given him all kinds of praise here. But the, the, the opening video and then even the game three video that he kind of just spliced together. Plus, he's got an anthem video that we play on our Twitch stream. And he's got the, the hype video playing on the Twitch stream as well. Josh Park has, has come in. And anybody that asked me who this Josh Park it is, and I said, you know what? He's an amazing kid. Great guy. I'm sure he's going to get poached by somebody very soon because holy hell, those videos are amazing. Josh Park, my hot performer of the week. Yeah! You can't have him. He's ours. <laughs> he's ours. Uh, Rick, your Oodle Noodle hot performer of the week. Uh, well, you know what? You got to give credit where credit due sometimes. And uh, I think one of our best defensemen so far has been the Cowboy number four. So when they, like I said, you got to give credit. He's, he's played really, really well this playoffs. Um, not enough that I want him around next year with that contract, but don't give him credit <laughs> for what he's done right now. He's doing a good job out there right now. And uh, if everyone else is playing personally as well as he is, we, they, we might be done. Put some respect on my name. 
just to wrap things up, my oodle noodle hot performer of the week. I can't believe you guys left this one right in my lap for me. I'm staying on brand. You know I am. He's got a goal and six assists in the first three games of the series. He and Connor McDavid set an Oilers playoff record. First two players in Oilers history to start off the playoffs with back-to-back three-point games. My boy, rocking the duster of all dusters, looking like a filthy pirate out there. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Oodle Noodle, Hot Performer of the Week. Cash money. Couple of couple of minutes left. I just want to go around the horn quickly. Game four predictions. And I like Tyler. I'm going to steal this from Thursday's Real Life Podcast. We're going to do some not-so-obvious game day predictions. We're going to show up Gregor Domas here. Two questions. Score prediction, not-so-obvious game day prediction. Tyler, you're on the clock. I think we are going to get a 6-2 Oilers win, and I'll keep my prediction consistent with what I said on Real Life. I think we will get goals, one goal from each forward line. I think McDavid's good for one. Drysaddle's good for one. One of Shehan Athanasiu and Archibald is good for one. One of Neil, Kara, and Chason is good for a goal as well. The depth will come through. The 5-on-5 scoring will come through. Oilers blow them out 6-2 the final. Mr. Nation Dan, your score prediction and not-so-obvious game day prediction. Well, my mine is twofold, so it's so I'm saying six nothing Edmonton Ooh, with, Mike, oh, oh. with Mike Smith with the shutout. Uh, this oh, team boy. tends to show up in that in that first elimination game huge, and so I think that that's the uh, that's the score there. My not so obvious game prediction. It's selfish because I drafted him in the uh, in the the bit oh. player draft, but it's Josh Archibald with the goal. I think I just think that there's that there's the, he's going to be the guy that kind of steps up and helps out pitching in from the uh, from the third line, fourth line, whatever you want to say. He's up. I like it, Rick. Your game prediction and your not so obvious game day prediction. You you mentioned score, and the first thing I thought of right away was was five two, and I like the fact that everyone else is kind of jumping on a high scoring, uh, high goals for low goals against type of situation here. So I'm going to stick with five two. And we're going to get a goal from Mr. 83, not Hemsky, but Matty Benning. He's going to get us one. Uh, yeah, so 5-2, and Matt Benning's going to grab us a goal. I like that. Just to round things off, I'm going to say 4-2 win for our boys. We're going to see a motivated Connor and Leon. On real life, Daniel like this. I actually said my not-so-obvious game day prediction was Josh Archibald's going to score. Yeah, fuck yeah. You just said it, so I'm going to change gears a little bit. My not-so-obvious game day prediction Ethan Bear, the look of disappointment on his face after that puck deflected in off his stick last night. I won't forget it. I felt bad for the kid. He was trying to make a play. It did not go the right way. It happens. Ethan Bear is going to step up today. Big bull from the point. Game four, Ethan Bear getting on the board. We got four wins around. Oilers have a massive game. It's elimination day. We all like them to win. Going into game five. Going to be exciting. Going to be exciting. From everybody at Sherwood Ford the Giants, Tourism Jasper, SkipTheDishes.ca, and Oodle Noodle, thank you for being here. Please subscribe, rate, comment on the podcast on Apple Podcasts, or just download wherever you get your podcasts from. From all of us, I want to say enjoy the game. Have a great weekend. Good luck with the 50-50. Go Oilers. Shout out, Damien. Damn it. Button delay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. 
Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes, because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.